You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The South African rand is strong. It's really strong. It has been strong for a few months. Commodity prices are strong, and that is linked to the strength of the rand. And there is a risk-on element to markets in general, with a few blips here and there. With me now is Hannes van den Berg, who's a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town. You must be really, really busy with the amount of business there is, or rather amount of activity there is, excuse me, in the commodities markets, Hannes, because it's been fascinating to me as an ex-commodity trader. Yes, good day, Lindsay. And yeah, it's, it has been a fascinating year, 2020. I guess I've said to people it's a year we all would have liked to forget, but probably never will forget. Um, it's unbelievable how much liquidity got injected into the market and, and still is being injected into the market. And as you say, that causes a lot of trading. Um, I guess the difference this time around relative to 2008 was in 2008, the liquidity went into the banking system. To, to free up you know, the issues in the in the banking system that, that the world inherited because of uh, the events leading up to the global financial crisis. This time around, a lot of the money went into the bank accounts of, of people. Yes. Um, and, and, and as you say, that's created a lot of activity and trading. Yeah, but never mind the, the short-term trading, retail trading aspect of the markets that has been characterized over the last, uh, goodness me, in the last 28 days, because we're nearly at the end of the first month of 2021. Let's look at the fundamentals and let's look at commodities because iron ore, crude oil, uh, corn, wheat, sugar, coffee, cocoa, milk, cheese, they've all been going up and they've been sort of shunted aside a little bit by commentators because of the activities in other areas and other asset classes. But you must be looking at those things every day and saying, this is something we haven't seen for quite a while. Yes, I mean, you can add copper, iridium, rhodium, you can add all of that to your to your list. And, and you're right, there's, there, there's a lot of top-down and also bottom-up reasons. I mean, from a top-down macro perspective, you alluded to the RAND. A lot of that is because of a weaker dollar. Yes. Uh, when you have a weaker dollar, essentially stronger RAND and also good for commodity prices, there's a lot of rotation happening into emerging markets, cyclical exposure that people prefer uh, instead of the, the previous growth exposure that they potentially had. But from a bottom-up perspective, and ultimately portfolios get spilled from the bottom-up, so the, the bottom-up fundamentals for these commodities and obviously then for the mining companies is that the, as demand recovers, as we move from 2020 into 2021, expectations for growth to return and the recovery trade, there's, there's also so there's increase in demand, but there's also a, a lot of supply disruption um, in the case of iron ore, for example, and there's also not a lot of investment that have gone into further production or enhancing or, or building out your production. So a lot of the supply disruption has, has led to supply-demand tightness for commodity markets, um, and, and, and nobody predicted the iron ore price to be above 100, 140, 150, 160, where it's trading at the moment, and the copper price similarly. And, and also, I mean, just take in the case of South Africa, the platinum, palladium, rhodium exposure, there's very little investment that have gone into that sector, and we are one of the biggest producers in the world of, of platinum. And, and therefore, if there's a bit of supply disruption, these commodity markets tend to end up tight. So the bottom-up fundamentals are quite supportive for these commodities. They really are. Are they too supportive, though? Do you think that this is just a short-term supply squeeze, or do you think that this is a longer-term trend that is developing, whether it be PGMs, platinum group metals, or copper, or the other one we've been talking about, iron ore, never mind oil? Uh, what is your perception of what's happening at the moment? 
Lindsay, I think from the supply side, the conversation was sort of over the last two, three years has been focused on, you know, value over volume. You know, there's, there's a lot of supply discipline and not a lot of investment have gone in there. So, so the supply side, I don't see a, a major expansion coming from there. I guess the question is on the demand side. Um, the, the rollout of vaccines relative to the increase in infection rates. We, we need mobility. We need people to start normal, you know, going out and, and services to recover and manufacturing to continue to recover. And, and the jury is out on, on our rollout of vaccines, the logistics around it, and, and how that will play out in 2021 relative to the infection rates. We've got one or two countries, the UK and Israel, everybody's following to see how the rollout and vaccine and and, and how much as a percentage of the population gets vaccinated and, and, and how the reaction and, and, and if the play out in the infection rates, how, how all of that plays out. And, and that's where the tension is at the moment. And I guess a very consensus view at this stage is for the world to recover uh, into the second half of 2021, for the dollar to remain weak and for central banks to stay very accommodative from a liquidity and a monetary as well as a stimulus uh, perspective. That is definitely consensus. And then one have to ask yourself, what, what is the potential risks that can disrupt this demand recovery? Let's talk about uh, commodities versus commodity stocks. In other words, the price of commodities, which we've been speaking about, versus the valuations of, of commodity stocks. Because one of your colleagues said to me around about a month ago, I don't understand why platinum stocks are just sort of bubbling under rather than shooting forth, if you see what I mean. So do you think there's a, a disconnect between the commodity stocks and their prices and the actual underlying price of the commodity itself? Now, that's a good question, uh, Lindsay. I think if you take a step back, people look at the valuations of markets overall. And, and an important point is, is that, that one should look at the valuations of, of the individual sectors um, yes. to get a, a better picture of, of what's going on in, in sort of the underlying sectors of the market. And you're right, uh, the valuations of the platinum counters, you can argue some of the diversified miners, and all, all look very attractive. Um, I think the first point I'd like to make is the free cash flow profile of these companies look materially different to what it was in 2015, 2016, because their balance sheets look materially different. They've paid off a lot of debt. Yes. And the question now is where we are in the cycle with commodity prices being very supportive, what, what will they do with the cash? Now, now, mining companies like to spend capex and expand, so will they do that? Will they return those, that cash as, as dividends uh, to, to shareholders? So historically, and, and what they've committed to us is that they will now, you know, a majority of the earnings will be paid out as dividends and that will that shareholders will benefit from that. And, and that's our expectation in the short term. And then we'll have to see if, if they can continue with these free cash flow profiles uh, over the medium to longer term. So you're right, the market's calling the top and saying that these commodity prices are not sustainable. We, we are arguing that if commodity prices just stay around these levels, these mining companies are, are, are going are to deliver handsome earnings to, to shareholders and, and a lot of free cash flow. Uh, which which will come through as a dividend. This is a very difficult question for you to answer, but I'd like you to give it a go if you would. Do you think that if there is a sort of a, a pullback in the valuations of tech stocks, for example, people will start to focus on real fundamentals, i.e. Uh, commodity stocks? Do you think the money has been diverted uh, from the real market to the over-frothy uh, tech market? And that's not your field of expertise, but you probably have a, a personal idea about it. Yes, I definitely have a, have a view on it, Lindsay. My, my view is that the, the, the tech stocks aren't broken. I mean, these are, are good quality businesses with 
good business models, good free cash flow profiles, good balance sheets, and 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 it's gaining market share and growing, and 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 that's actually good for 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 economies going forward. So, what, what potentially might happen is that people people fund from there to buy, as we spoke about cyclical sectors and the recovery trade and and stocks that look more attractive on a valuation perspective. That doesn't mean tech stocks fall in a heap; uh, they might go sideways. Um, yes. and and as 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 day comes off tonight, what will happen is post the recession, you, you go into the recovery mindset, the cyclical stocks benefit at the expense of the growth or the tech stocks. And then after that, you go back into a growth uh, environment. So it might be it might be a difficult environment to navigate tech stocks, but there will definitely be over the medium to longer term the, the handsome return profiles because the growth and the, and the earnings of those stocks are are very attractive and double digit. So whether it's in the US or Asia and there's a lot of regulatory concerns and the last few months have been have been volatile from a regulatory perspective for some of the tech stocks. But over the medium to longer term we still do expect them to to re, to give good growth and, and earnings and, and, and returns back to shareholders. But there could be a, a potential reallocation of, of of money and, in the short uh, term. and the, yeah, in the short Definitely. term and asset class reallocation. How is your strategy looking now? Can you give us an idea of which particular asset class within the commodity class that you are favouring at the moment? Yeah, on, the, on the South African side, in, in both our South African equity funds as well as in the multi-asset funds that that, that we run for our clients, um, on the equity side, we've got a, a big allocation. I would say roughly about a third of the portfolio to resources, uh, resource stocks, mining stocks. Then we believe that to access tech at a discount through NASPAS and processes is, is looking attractive. And, and then the SA equity, the SA Inc. trade, as people call it, is yes. into the recovery looking from a valuation as well as from an earnings recovery perspective. Earnings revisions trending in a, a in strong positive direction post the shock of 2020 is providing a, a, a good opportunity for investors. And then if you look at the overall portfolio, we still see the real returns in South African government bonds making sense to clients. So you know, yielding anything, we think the return would be 9 to 11% relative to inflation, 3 4% in real terms makes sense for a, for a South African pension. And then obviously we've still got the offshore allocation and, and there also we're trying to get exposure to Asia predominantly. And, and and trying to find the themes where we can where we can benefit from the recovery in 2020 and 2022, 2021 and 2022. Hannes, thanks so much for your insight. That's Hannes van den Berg, who is a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.